The reading this morning from God's Word is John chapter 3. If you'd like to turn it up with me as I read. John chapter 3, verses 1 to 16. The story of Nicodemus, which we know quite well. But sometimes when we hear a familiar passage, something just strikes us that perhaps we haven't noticed before. So I pray that might be God's word to us today. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, and everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Thanks, Judy, for that reading, and it is a, a wonderful reading, isn't it? Now, there's going to be a little bit of tension in my family today. Um, I'm going to have uh, some afternoon tea with my father-in-law, which will be really lovely. Um, but if you didn't catch up on the World Cup cricket last night, Australia did win by quite a lot. So pray for me as I head into the Sri Lankan territory this afternoon. Um, I'll try and be graceful and gracious about how I go about that, um, but that's important <laughs> as we go about that. Uh, uh, we're talking about stories today. Everyone loves a good story, don't they? Who, like, who likes a good story? We all like a good story. Well, I found a good story this one, this week. Um, it's, a, it's from the US, as all good stories do. If we can have the, uh, the, the photo up, um, the next one uh, through. This, this fellow, this guy's name is Sam Barksy. Sam, has anyone heard of Sam Barksy? No, no. Uh, someone say yep. 
Yeah, there you go. You read this? This is funny. A man in his mid-40s, Sam Barsky, dedicated the past 20 years to knitting sweaters that match each city or landmark um, or place that he visits. I, I, I couldn't quite work out this, the middle one, but there's hundreds of them. Waterfall. Yeah. I know your falls. Yeah, right. Just, just he goes around and he goes to places and he knits these sweaters that, uh, that he, uh, yeah, and he's often paid to travel to places to knit sweaters. And he can go to your group or whatever and, and tell you all about how he's knitted sweaters. And you can go online, you can see there's hundreds of sweaters that he's knitted. Um, and so he'll travel, and, and if you've got a landmark, so let's say um, we wanted to get him here to knit a sweater of Kilsyth South Baptist Church. We could do that. You call up Sam and go, well, Sam's probably got a PA. And call him up and say, Sam, come across, and we'll knit us a, a KSBC sweater. How cool would that be? We better ask David, though, because uh, to hire Sam to come to your city or town and make a public appearance costs $50,000 <laughs> if you live in the U.S., Anywhere outside the US, $100,000. But we'd get a pretty cool KSBC jumper, wouldn't we? <laughs> How funny is that? <laughs> That's Sam Barksky. Barksky. Google him. Very, very funny. This is our final in the Blessed series, and, and it is about story. It's about telling our story and thinking about our story. And I hope as we've gone through this series, you, um, you've, you've not just sort of re- received a little bit each week, but that overall you've heard... That, that bless is a, a, a rhythm of mission, a missional rhythm, a way. It's not a program as such. It's not something that we do. It's not something that we tr- want, want to try and implement as a, as a set program, that during these weeks of the year we'll do bless, and uh, each year we'll do a bless five weeks. Um, it's, it's something that we want to see happen throughout your life, a missional rhythm of life. And we've got the creative acronym of BLESS, which is really good. And it helps us to, to remember some of these rhythms and um, in five practices that we can live out in different ways. And, and we started the whole series by saying that Abraham was blessed to be a blessing, didn't we? And that from that, we drew out that the blessing of God that we receive can be a blessing to others as well. So over the past month or so, we've been talking about these, these, uh, this acronym and we started first by saying, B, begin with prayer. It's pretty simple. It's to start by praying. And, and as we begin with prayer, we talked about how prayer attunes our posture towards God. We start to see where God is at work in and through the world. So begin with prayer. Next, we learned to listen and to listen to God, to stop and listen to what God is saying, but also to listen to people listening to stories, listening to their highlights. And, and we said that listening without the static, without the noise, is the best way to bless others because people often want someone to listen to, not someone to solve their problems. He was all about eating together, and we, share, we saw uh, the Haywoods sharing a meal up here. But um, eating a meal at a cafe in your home, inviting people to eat with you, um, there are ways of connecting on a deeper level. These deeper level connections that we can make while we share a meal, even if it's a coffee, whatever it might be, by eating with others. And I wonder, have you had the opportunity to invite someone to your table? Or have you had the opportunity to share a coffee with someone in your workplace that you may not have done before? 
And then a few weeks back, we, we thought about how we were to, to bless people by serving them, by making uh, small acts of service. We said the small acts, not, not just serving in massive and big ways, but the small acts of service done continually over time make a lasting impact on people. And we thought about opportunities or ways where we might serve the people that are around us um, in different ways. I wonder if you've had an opportunity to serve, to serve those that are in your vicinity, to serve those who are in need, or as you've prayed and you felt God sort of leading you, I wonder if you had an opportunity to go and serve someone that maybe you don't even know. So it's been, we've gone through that four weeks, and, and we've been looking at how we can make that sort of a, a, a rhythm of our life, missional rhythm. But I wonder, someone said to me, uh, it's good. It's good. It's been a good series. It's really good. But there still seems to be something missing. And I'm glad they said that because we haven't quite finished because there's still one more week. And that's, that missing element is the story. And it's the story of, of God, how the story of God fits into this whole missional rhythm. Because we can do things, but if we haven't got this last element, the story of God intertwined into it, then we're just doing things, aren't we? We're just doing some good things, but we're just doing things. So we need to make sure that uh, we engage with the story of God within the wider space of this whole missional rhythm as well. Because anyone can be alert to the opportunities to be a blessing, can't they? Anyone can, can uh, be good in society. You don't need to have a faith background to be good in society, in our culture of the day. There are people who search for volunteer opportunities because they want to do something that, that creates a better culture or better uh, community space. I've got a friend who uh, he set up a food truck over in Footscray. And he's, uh, he, worked, he, he, he sort of set up this organization to um, collect a whole lot of groceries. So uh, just normal groceries, but fruit and veg, healthy uh, food, breads, um, good quality stuff to then take this food truck to the local schools. And the local schools, they had a mix. In Footscray, they had a mix of uh, people living in uh, low socioeconomic uh, climates and people that have just, like Footscray, have real pockets of uh, affluence now. And so there's this dual thing happening where in the schools, there is a, a bit of everything. And so he set up this food truck to go into the school area. And after school, uh, parents could come to the food truck and buy their groceries. Now, some people could afford to pay good, good money. They could afford to pay money for it. So they'd come and they pay good money. But that would subsidize those who couldn't pay as much. And he worked out a system to work out who needed a little more help so that they would um, be able to go and buy good groceries at a cheaper cost. What a great way of helping the community. That same fellow, great guy, he um, also would go every Sunday morning, he was a fantastic piano player, to a little church out near Footscray and would play the piano every Sunday morning for these uh, elderly ladies. There's only a handful of them, but he played the piano for them. They gave him a, a little bit of cash to help, help out and that sort of thing. But he wasn't a Christian. He just did it because he loved to help. His kids started coming to the youth group while I was at Newport because he wanted his kids to have a good moral framework. But he didn't have a faith himself. And we talked a lot. We talked a heap about different things about faith and everything. But um, he just wanted to see community be better. So what sets us apart then as people of faith? 
if we're to be a blessing, what sets us apart to be a blessing to other people that don't have faith? And we know the answer. We do have the answer. We, we know that the answer is uh, what we say in Sunday school, Jesus. It's always the answer for Sunday school. It's the answer today. We know that's the answer because we share a, a bigger story, don't we? We're sharing the, the integrated story of, of where God is, is interacting in our lives. We're part of a bigger narrative of God's workmanship in our life. It's still being written for us, isn't it? It's not finished. And that natural outworking of God in our life, how we're being blessed, creates a blessing for others as well. There's a quote, you might have heard it from St. Francis, Francis of Assisi, and it says this, uh, it's, it's quoted, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. Has anyone heard that before? Heard that quote before? Quite a lot of people heard that quote before. And it tells of the need to spread the gospel of Jesus through our actions. Our actions should speak out the truth of the gospel, of this good news of Jesus Christ. It should speak that out. The way we live out our scripture, uh, our scripture should speak volumes to who Christ is. So as we are blessed, we should be able to see Christ in us. But what still sets us apart? Preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Now, the problem is sometimes this quote is misquoted. And it says, preach the gospel uh, always and at, time, uh, at times, and preach the gospel always. That's a little bit wrong up there, sorry. Preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. It's sometimes quoted. If necessary, use words. Now, can you see the difference in those two quotes? It means that a person, if we use the word if, if necessary, use words, means, well, well, maybe we don't need to use words. Maybe we don't need to share the stories of where God is interacting in our lives personally. If it's almost like a little bit of a cop-out, if I'm living in a way that people should see Jesus, then I, maybe I don't need to share my story at all. If, I, if means only if it's really necessary, but when tells me that I've got to be prepared. The possibility of having to answer questions that people may bring up or ask can be daunting for sure. What if I don't know the answer? What if, what if I get stumped on a question? What if, what if they don't like the answer that I give them? What if it hurts relationship? All these questions. But when St. Francis of Assisi says when necessary, means we have to be prepared. We must be prepared to give an answer. You see, the gospel being preached through our lives in, uh, it has to be lived out, yes. But there's going to be a day when we're a blessing to others, they're going to ask why. You've probably had that. You've probably had that in your life already. And when someone ask, what is it about you that is different? That's the when necessary comes in. That's when it's necessary to speak out what we say, what we believe. Sharing your faith journey. 1 Peter 3.15 says, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to share an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Set apart Christ as Lord. Live in a way that shows that Jesus is Lord of your life. Live that out. But also, you need to be prepared to give 
an answer for why you're living it out. The reason for the hope that you have. You need to know your story. How God's story and your story interact. See, the gospel always needs to be proclaimed, both in deed and in word. And the story we heard this morning from the scripture of, of Nicodemus, he was a, 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 a ruler, he was a, a leader of the, um, in, in the Jewish system, and he came to Jesus one night. The backstory of Nicodemus is he's a Pharisee, and the Pharisees were a conservative, well-educated, and very influential group of religious leaders. And Jesus and the Pharisees, they quite often butted heads, didn't they? We often hear the Pharisees trying to trip Jesus up, Get him to say something that maybe might, might just break the law a little bit so they can, they can get him as such because they, didn't, they were a bit threatened by who Jesus was and what Jesus was doing. But Nicodemus, he comes to Jesus at night. Why? Probably so he's not seen by his own people. Nicodemus sort of sneaks out in the darkness of night to see Jesus because there's a fascination, there's something there about this man, I've got to find out, he says. So Nicodemus, he goes and he finds Jesus and he starts a conversation. He starts it interestingly because he starts a conversation by actually acknowledging that Jesus is God because of the miracles he's done. He says this, he says, Rabbi, in verse 2, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God. For no one can perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. That's a fairly big acknowledgement for a, a leader of the law. Nicodemus had an idea about, about Jesus. This is someone special. Maybe he didn't quite get it. Well, we know he didn't quite get it because of Jesus' response. He didn't quite get it yet. But I have to go see this man. There's something about him. I have to go and see him. I wonder how you respond if, if someone comes to you and gives you uh, a fairly complimentary sort of, sort of thing. Like, because that was pretty complimentary of, of Nicodemus. Hey, Jesus, we've seen you do stuff. And hey, you must have come from God. Jesus, I might go, oh, thank you. That's really, really nice of you. That's, thanks for, for acknowledging that. That's really good of you. Uh, but Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't do that at all. Jesus takes the conversation in a real different direction. It, it almost becomes quite personal. And he tells, he tells Nicodemus, well, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. Born again? Reborn? Surely for Nicodemus, that was a really tough concept. Well, we know it is. He's a guy who's grown up knowing the law back to front. According to the law, Nicodemus was probably doing pretty well. He might have thought, between me and God, I'm up here. Most people are down here, and even the other leaders are sort of here. I'm doing really good. So, so in, the, in the levels of, of where we're at, I'm doing really good here. And so to be close with God, I've got to be born again? What are you talking about, Jesus? And, and it confuses him. And poor Nicodemus is confused. How can someone be born when they're old? How can I be reborn? Do I go back into my mother's womb? How do I do that? I can't do that a second time. And Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Nothing to do with the law. Nothing to do with the law. Flesh gives birth to flesh. but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised by my saying, you must be born again. Because it's nothing to do with the law. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sounds. You cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. 
And Nicodemus obviously doesn't quite get it. He goes, well, how can it be? How can we do this in verse 9? Nicodemus is curious about what Jesus has been saying, curious about what Jesus is doing and what he's seeing. He wants to spend time with Jesus, so he sneaks out in the middle of the night to try and find him. All this that Jesus has been telling him is is curious to him, but it's very challenging because it challenges the very thought of what it means to be close to God in his mind. It's not about the law anymore. So in John 3, verses 5 to 8, Jesus gives, us, gives him that answer that's a little bit ambiguous. It's not straight down the line, which he does a lot with his uh, disciples as well, doesn't he? And, and we, we, we look at that and we go, well, we know the final outcome. We know the final answer. We know verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. We've got the foreknowledge of, of what that means for us today. But if spare us thought for Nicodemus... This is new, new theology, new understanding. This is totally new. It moved away from everything that he has known ever. In order to be right with God, I've got to do what the law says. And if I do good enough, then in God's eyes, I should be okay. So this is confusing. So Jesus, as he's done with all his disciples all the time, he says the parable and then he has to give them the... The, the spelt out version, he does it with, with Nicodemus. He says, you are, in verse 10, he says, you are Israel's teacher and you do not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we've seen, but still your people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you don't believe. How will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. He's starting to talk about who he is now. He's starting to share his story about who he is. Jesus is saying this to him. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus is getting to the nitty-gritty of who he is. Jesus tells Nicodemus, this is now, we're living now as to what will happen that the Son of Man must be lifted up. You've acknowledged, Nicodemus, that I've come from God. That's what you said. But the Son of God must be lifted up now. And Jesus starts foretelling the story of the cross to Nicodemus, even at this early stage. Because whoever has faith in that Son of Man will have eternal life. Not by the law, not by doing good stuff, but by believing in Him. And that's the backdrop to the most quoted Bible verse uh, that we have, 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Nicodemus, he walked into Jesus' place late that night because he was interested. He was curious about what, what was beyond, what was more in Jesus' story. Nicodemus had already seen the miracles and knew there was something that he needed to find out more. Jesus' actions of of blessing others through healing, through whatever it might have been, created a need within Nicodemus. I wonder if the action of blessing others is creating a need in those people to know a little bit more. He was interested in more than just watching Jesus. He wanted to know all about Jesus. And it was time to, for Jesus to move into the 
when necessary. Hey, it's time. I need to tell you my story. So he used these words. And he does. He tells Jesus his story. He tells, Jesus, he tells Nicodemus, this is who I am. And this is where I'm going. And this is what you must do to receive that same blessing. Of course, our stories, we don't know the future fully, do we? We don't have the, the foresight of Jesus in knowing that this is what's going to happen to us. But God has been writing your story already. God has written a chapter or two or 20 or 20 or 30 chapters of your life. God is continually writing your story. You have a story. The interaction of God in your life creates an autobiography for you. That, and as you share your autobiography for those who you are eating with, to those who you serve, or those who um, are asking you questions because you've listened to them so intently. As you share your autobiography with them, it's going to pique an interest. Because as we become more attuned to the work of the Spirit of God in our lives, our autobiography, our story of between God and us becomes a lot clearer to us, doesn't it? The stories of God's interaction in us, we can start to recite. We can start to share with others. We start to hear what God's saying to us and we start to see where God's working in us and then we can speak those stories out. A chapter in our autobiography. Even this morning, as I was chatting to to Rosemary at the door, we're hearing about the story of of what God did in her life at one stage. And I'd love to get Rosemary up at some stage to share that story because we hear about what God's doing in the life of people. A story of how God interacts with you along the journey. It's a story about how Jesus has impacted your life. It's a story about how the change that has occurred after meeting Jesus and through the actions and blessings of others. There's a story to be told. It's a story of how God has touched you in a very special way and how you have responded. It's a story of how God has healed you. It's a story of how God has used you, how God revealed himself to you. It's a story that is all about the interaction between you and God. It's your story. And it's one that can be shared. It's a story that we're called to share when necessary. Because if you're practicing this, this, this understanding of a missional rhythm, if missional thinking becomes a part of who you are, then it's inevitable that you'll be asked, what's your story? We're called to be ready to share those stories with others. Now, when I talk about your story, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean your, your testimony of, of the time that you, you gave your life across to Jesus. That, that is a really important story. And I encourage you, if you've never shared that story verbally, it's a great thing to be able to do, to articulate the change that Jesus made in your life when you, you've given yourself across to him in, in some sort of way. But I'm speaking also of the, the stories where God's just revealed himself to you in new ways. For example, it might be a story about how God gave you a renewed sense of hope through the prayers of the friends that you have when you're feeling down. That story will speak into so many people's lives. It might be the story of a healing or of some incredible provision when God's spoken to you in a specific way. We've all got stories, don't we? And when we tell these stories, 
about God interacting with us, using the very ordinary to do the extraordinary. People listen. You have a a story to share. Please share it. Share the good news of God in your life. Because sharing your story will inevitably connect to someone else's story, to the neighbor that you have been listening to, to the work colleague colleague that you've been having lunch with. They will want to hear that story because of the blessing that you've been to them. The elderly gentleman next door that you've served, they want to know your story because sharing our stories will be part of your mission or rhythm. People will want to know why you are the way you are. Share the stories of where Jesus has interacted with you. And sharing your story doesn't just have to happen out in a missional sense. Share your stories here as well. As we hear one another's stories of the way that God's interacting with with each of us, we're encouraged, aren't we? It is encouraging to hear how God has done something in someone's life, specifically. It's encouraging to hear what God's doing in each other's life. Otherwise, we can just go away going, well, it's nice to, nice to listen to the sermon and nice to sing some songs and I feel like God was doing something in that. But then I talked to someone, they told me how Jesus had interacted with them specifically and it's encouraging, it's uplifting. That's why we put the, um, the Facebook page, KSBC Bless, and it's great to hear some, see some people putting some, um, some stories up there already about the way that God's interacting with them. And how they've been a blessing to others, it's been really great. Um, Email your stories through to me so I can share stories. I don't have to use your names, but I can share stories of what God's doing up here or get you up to share your stories. Because it's encouraging for us to hear God's action in and amongst the people of the church. I've been here for for four months now. It's uh, it's gone quickly, hasn't it? Four months? Or maybe it feels like it's gone a long time. I don't know. I probably shouldn't ask that question, should I? Uh, four months, but in that four months, um, one of my key roles has been listening, listening to the stories, and it's been amazing to listen to stories of of people, to have coffee with people, and to hear what God's doing within people's lives, to hear how God's engaging with with people. I'm really encouraged. I'm encouraged that individual stories are coming through, of people that are, are saying, "I can, I just want to go and um, and help my neighbour out and cut their trees and get in my wellies and get out there and cut their their trees down." with them. I just want to go out and, and I've been praying for my neighbor next door and I, I haven't been able to interact with them, but I, I just want to keep praying for them so I can have some sort of interaction. And hearing some of these stories is really, really encouraging for me, but I'm sure it is for you. There's so many people in this church who are passionately following Jesus on a daily basis. There's so many people who want to make a difference through their community for Jesus. Share your story with people. Have confidence to share your story with people. Have confidence to say, hey, I saw God in this space in my life. Have the confidence that Jesus is at work and is working in and through you. Create a missional rhythm of sharing your story. Just like Jesus shared his story with Nicodemus, you'll find people want to engage with your story because they want to engage with you because you've been a blessing to them. You've been praying for them. You've been listening to them. You've been eating with them. You've been serving them. You know what? Your story speaks out the blessings that you've shared with them. 
And just like Nicodemus, after hearing Jesus' story, his life is transformed, totally transformed. I don't know if you know this, but Nicodemus was changed so much after Jesus' story that Nicodemus, he was one of the men who took Jesus' body to be buried after he was on the cross. You hear about that in John's Gospel in chapter 19. His story made an impact on Nicodemus. Be a blessing to others and share your story. I hope over the coming weeks you'll keep being a blessing, not just coming weeks, coming months, coming years. Be a blessing to your neighbours and friends. I hope that you can keep sharing your story with them, but also sharing your story with us and with each other. Be creative in the way that you are a blessing to others. Be encouraged to to, um, meet up with other people, other Christians, and, and share those stories. Get into prayer triplets. We talked about that at the very start. Find two people, two other people who you, you connect with and meet with them on a weekly basis and share the stories and pray for one another and pray for your neighbours. Pray for your five closest neighbours together with them. Be encouraged to do these things. And to finish this series, I just, I just want to ask the question that we might be, we might, we might be asking. Because I've, I've asked you to pray for your five closest neighbours and all that. But the question to finish this, this whole series is, who is your neighbour? That's, that's the question that I... Because we're called, called to be a blessing to all, a blessing to our neighbours. But who is your neighbour? And I, I want to... Um, just a definition that I loved, and it's by a theologian. His name's Kierkegaard. And he, he said this. He defined neighbour by saying that there are, if there are only two people... The other person is your neighbour. If there are millions, each one of them is your neighbour. See, missional rhythm isn't confined to the people that's in our little space. Blessing doesn't stop outside of our areas of comfort. We're called to be a blessing to all. Can you imagine what that would look like for us as a church if we all embraced this missional rhythm of bless. It has implications every time we step out our front door and go into our community, every time we get on the bus, every time we go into the cafe, every time we go into our workplace. It has implications. And I trust that as you do continue to um, evolve in your um, missional rhythm of bless, that you'll see the kingdom growth, that we'll see people wanting to know more about your story and people coming into a living relationship with Jesus themselves. Let's pray. Our loving God, we thank you for the time we've been able to do, uh, to share this morning, but also over the last month and a bit, as we've thought about this, this idea of having a missional rhythm, a rhythm where we can see God at work in our everyday life, where we can pray for others, where we can uh, start listening to where you want us to be and listening to other stories, where we stop and eat and show value through, the, what we, uh, through sharing a meal with others, through serving in the little ways that make big impact and through sharing our stories. We pray that as we adapt into this space, that we don't see it anymore as a program, but rather we see it as a way of, of life for us, that we become missional beings 
finding our rhythm of mission in the, in the steps that we walk on a daily basis. We thank you, Lord. Amen.